So I have kind of a thought as to uh, this week in Common Sense. And uh, I'm Paul Jacob, of course, Timothy Verkula. And uh, that's that, me. That's not you're, you're not also called Timothy Verkula. That's right. That's right. I'm I'm limited. It's so limiting in this world to just be one person at a time. Uh, but here's here's my thought. This week is about trust. And on Monday, we really discuss whether we can trust the deep state uh aliens <laughs> maybe they're right yeah one the other maybe neither uh tuesday we look at whether we can trust big big tech big social media big media big science uh wednesday we look at whether we can trust state legislatures uh, in particular idaho and of course that's almost that's almost laughable because no one really has any question there. Uh, anyway, the uh, on on Thursday, we talk about whether we can trust the courts, whether we can trust uh, big celebrity stars, uh, and then on Friday, we are back to the to the deep state, back to uh, big lack of intelligence or big intelligence in the. And with the NSA and so on, and back to big media with Tucker Carlson, who, you know, arguably is on the other side of most of the big media, but is still big media, and whether we can trust him. So uh, it's all about trust, and and regular listeners will will probably kind of know what the uh, yes no answer, uh, which side of that coin uh, we're likely to come down on. But let's let's not prejudge it. Let's let's do it. Okay. So I'll run the music right now. We begin the podcast. What about the marching band? You always say, you know, you're going to run the, but we never get the marching band. We never get the crowd noise. Yeah, a laugh track. Use a Japanese string synth. That's the music is some <laughs> weird Japanese string synth. I, we could choose something else, but I don't, I think we'd have to be a, a very different sounding uh, theme music. Yeah, I like the music. I'm just, I'm just the first thing gosh. that came to me a year and a half ago or two years ago. We've been doing this two years now. Is that right? Is that right? Is Seems like year? a... Just one year? It's, I think it's just a year. Okay. And um, and sooner or later, we're, we're going to get better and better at it. I'm, I'm yeah. convinced. Yeah, I think so. But Monday's commentary, E.T. Send money. <laughs> yes. Uh, and really, the, the commentary is, is twofold. One is to look at kind of the history of UFOs, which present a, uh, a, a picture of our government not, not telling us the truth, not leveling with us, and, and not just hiding information, but oftentimes giving us disinformation, telling us things that, or alluding to things, or pretending that things are such a way that they are not. And uh, and so it's you know it's a real problem and and one of the interesting things they came out of course and we've we've talked about this on other podcasts and and uh, done a number of commentaries about UFOs and and one of the things that they came out fairly you know authoritatively not to jump to Tuesday's script but authoritatively they came out and said. These are real things. They are physical objects. They are not, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? I lost the, the word, but uh, not optical illusions. They're not tricks in the sky because of light bending or whatever. They are real physical objects that move in such a way that, uh, that we just don't have technology that allows us to propel uh, things in the sky in that way, at those speeds, with that sort of uh, agility, so on and so on. Or officially we don't have it, and they say they don't have access to it. That was sort of the deal. Though something that I didn't show you that came out afterwards was a, a leaked memo about the uh, classified briefing that were given to some select representatives and senators. And the government basically then came out and said they were studying... A, all the things that make up what could be UFOs, they're studying those things, and they have some technology. But this is the funny part. According to this leaked, mem this leaked memo, um, 
they've been experimenting in, 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 with this technology. Uh, you know, anti-gravity, for instance. They talk about anti-gravity, right. which is awfully weird when you think about it. We're not supposed to be able to even do that according to the physics that we're sort of taught officially. And uh, that's been done around Area 51 in, 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 in near Tonopah, Nevada. But nowhere else, they insist nowhere else, and these events that, that have been recorded and talked about uh, have been occurring at sea mainly and at military bases. Right. So that's an interesting part of the deal. But the, the thing I like about your Monday piece, maybe the best, is the footnote. Because after talking about this report, yes. the very same thing that, you, that the current report says was said in 1947 by a general of the United States government. Which was one of the first times that someone came forward and said, hey, this is what's going on. And so well, he didn't now... say it publicly. That was to another general, and it's a leaked memo. It's never been repudiated by the government. It's never been confirmed by the government. It's generally believed to be an actual memo. There's almost no one doubts that it's an actual memo. And what it says in the memo is just bizarre, because it basically says this is a real thing. Right. Which, which is what Jacques Vallée, the uh, French scientist, has said, that these are real objects. Now, right. he also says that they're weird and they're disturbing. That's that's uh, that's something I've been reading in the in the last year or so, and that's one of the things that I sometimes wonder. If they're telling us lies mainly because they don't think we can handle it, but you know, most people aren't even. They're ignoring all the last three years of talking about UFOs. I think people can handle it, you know, right? Whatever right. The it is, and I'm not sure what the it is, but Valais well, says it's very weird. By the way, that these are not just normal events. It's not like you think just just aliens. It's not. It's not what you expect when you think of an alien encounter. It's weird. They're always weird, is what he says. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, any, the, you know, part of the problem is any scenario that you think of, okay, this isn't aliens. It's that somebody has this technology, our government, another government. Well, that doesn't quite make sense because you'd think they'd want to show their advantage to take advantage. Um, and then, of course, if our government has it and is keeping it secret, I don't really like that so much either. Um, if it is aliens, that's pretty scary. I mean, maybe they're nice aliens like E.T., but maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're the aliens from Independence Day, you know, and and uh, those weren't very nice aliens at all. Um, so so it, it is a little bit scary. I think the... I think the other part of Monday's uh, script, Monday's commentary, was the ending. And to bring us all back to the cold, hard reality of Washington, which is that the main thrust of this report was, we need more money. <laughs> we need more money to look in, into this. And we need money maybe to get back to the Pentagon, you know, and we need money for anyway, they always need money. So uh, that that tells you that, you know, at least in some ways, life is normal. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very much the case. I should mention that uh, this week we've had two cases where the uh, the thought of the day sort of linked to the article. And for this yes. article, I did put a long section of the Twining memo as the thought. Yes, and it's very interesting, and folks uh, can go and, and see that. It was one of those things, you know, most of these commentaries are 250, 300 words, so we, we have to kind of boil it down, and, uh, and of course, that, that quote's probably 100 or 150 words alone, but this is fascinating stuff, and, uh, and it is interesting to know that what our government just told us is something that we can see somebody was saying in 1947. So, tells you something. Yeah, that's progress. We're, we've we've uh, caught up to 1947. <laughs> the government has caught up to 1947. <laughs> that's right. Well, I don't know about that. I'm sure there's a few things that happened before 47 they still haven't told us. But, you know, uh, Tuesday, uh, speaking of authorities, we had authoritative and that is because uh, about a week ago, 
I learned. I caught a little snippet of, uh, of Tucker Carlson, and he was talking about a report in the National Pulse uh, that, that talked about uh, Google having censored uh, their – and actually, I should back that up. What, what he was talking about is somebody with Google who made a comment at, at a, uh, uh, a conference. Um, what the Pulse was talking about was that we know that basically we, they came out and showed that we know that, that uh, Dazak had funneled money and, um, and basically – you know, if you if you look through and one of the things we did in this uh, commentary and we'll get to the, the Google thing uh, last, actually, because that's the way we did it in the commentary. And, and part of the reason we did it that way in the commentary was to just walk people through what happened in terms of authorities and COVID-19. And by authorities, we're really talking about, uh, you know, here, big science and uh, and the big media, uh, and then of course, big tech, which is the social media. But uh, they hid and lied and tricked and fooled and did diversionary tactics to hide the truth from the American people. And we just walked through it. Uh, it started out with the World Health Organization buying into ridiculous things said by China, that there was no human-to-human -human transmission. Now, this was weeks after uh, Taiwanese spies in, the spies, they weren't necessarily spies, but in other words, Taiwanese in China had seen, uh, one of the things that they focus on is social media. And when they see somebody, you know, uh, saying something and other people arguing that's not so, they kind of pick up on it uh, because they understand how the, the social uh, media, uh, the bamboo curtain, the firewall, the great Chinese firewall on the internet blocks what people are saying. So they were telling people early on, that's one reason we know how the Chinese were lying about what was happening. And the World Health Organization was right there with them to help them tell that lie. So that's the big government in China, and that's the big science worldwide lying to us. But of course, that wasn't enough. Big tech had to help them by censoring opinions. Uh, as we recall, all kinds of doctors who said things that big science didn't like were censored on YouTube. And of course, if you're, you know, if you're trying to get a message out in this pandemic, YouTube's a pretty good place to do it. Doctors talking face to face with people. You know, a lot of Americans don't read long science journal, medical journal articles all the time. And so that's a way that you could communicate and people could discuss and we could learn. But no, the CEO, and of course, we, we talked about it at the time. This was a year ago, in fact, more than a year ago. Uh, Susan Wojcicki, I think, is uh, that's not even close to her name, but it's close as I'm going to get, I think. But she is the CEO of YouTube. And she basically came out and said, I'll just quote it, anything that would go against World Health Organization recommendations would be a violation of our policy. And be and, and that's the end of her quote, meaning it'd be banned. You can't say it. They'll shut it down. So then we go on and we realize that you had the most prestigious, arguably the most prestigious medical journal in the world print a letter by some of the most prestigious scientists in the world saying that this lab leak is all a big conspiracy theory. There's no evidence for that. There's all kinds of evidence and every good scientist believes and, and prays to the God of science that, uh, that basically this came from animals. And of course, this was also designed to say, hey, we trust the Chinese scientists. And let me tell you a little secret. I trust the Chinese scientists too. 
But I know what they know, which is that <clears throat> the CCP, the Chinazis, they have ways to convince scientists who are good, decent, wonderful people to lie so that they and their family aren't tortured or killed or imprisoned or beaten. So, you know, this is this is silliness. This is is this is gaslighting themselves or gaslighting us. Either way, gaslighting everybody. It's a big, big problem. So that's out there. And what happens? Of course, big media runs with it as absolute truth. And anyone who says anything else is talking about some debunked conspiracy theory. This is for over a year. And of course, I point out in this uh, the obvious, which is why? Why would big media want to run with ridiculous lies? Why would they not? Why would they not even investigate to find out that the guy writing this prestigious letter in a prestigious journal is the very guy who got funding, his EcoHealth Alliance, got funding from the National Health and uh, National Institute of Health and funneled that money, hundreds of thousands, I believe it was $600,000 in, in recent times, two and millions over the history, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So it's like, but our media didn't find out about it. Well, why not? Well, maybe because they're completely incompetent, worthless reporters and journalists, just completely incompetent. Or maybe it's because their narrative said Trump did it. And they don't think very highly of the American people and our ability to keep two thoughts in our head and chew gum and walk at the same time. And so they don't want to have, okay, Trump's bad. And so it's China, it's China's fault, but it's also Trump's fault. No, it's election year. The Washington Post is the Democrats number one super PAC. Oh no, no, no. Maybe the New York times is their number one super PAC. Maybe the, maybe the Washington Post is just number two and they try harder. But of course, in an election year, they want to focus. So they ignore the lab leak for political reasons, because they are a political super PAC. They don't have to register with the FEC, but they are doing the work that, that geez, you wish any super PAC in favor of your candidate or your party or whatever was doing. So what's the other shoe? Well, let's say that you're really, you're with it and you understand, okay, big tech, these Facebook, I'm not, I'm not going to get the information from Facebook. They're purposely hiding stuff using DASAC as one of their advisors on what stories they should kill. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get it from the Washington Post and the New York Times. Big science isn't going to tell me the truth. I'm just going to Google until I find enough stories that will give me the truth, except we find out that David Feinberg, Dr. David Feinberg, who's the head of Google Health, was at a conference and was asked a question about blocking users from information on the, the virus's origin. And he owns up to the fact that, yes, indeed, they block that information from us. And he argued that Google did not want to, quote, lead people down pathways that we would not find to be authoritative information, end quote. So all of these authorities are deciding for us. We don't need the information. We cannot have it. We can't Google it. We can't talk about it with our friends on social media after they've sucked us in and taken all of the pictures of our grandkids. Uh, we, we aren't going to be able to find out from any of our media people who are constantly digging to give us information, but only the information that serves their interests. And uh, it's just, but what we get then is not authoritative information because they won't give us that but they will give us authoritative disinformation. And that's what we've been getting from all of these authorities who are not, it's not like they're strangers. 
you know, we, we so often, uh, and we've, we've had a number of different uh, commentaries about it, uh, but a lot of times what people will argue back is these are private, you know, Google, Facebook, all these folks are private. They are in bed with the government. They are being purposely intimidated by members of Congress who haul them before committees, who write laws that specifically deal with how their businesses will be run. You don't think there's any control, any influence that comes with that kind of power? And then, of course, that doesn't even count the billions, maybe trillions, that has been transferred to do different programs, Google or Facebook or others. They're all, they all have government contracts. This is a, a really, I mean, it, it, you know it's happening. You see it happening on all kinds of different things. Now, the, the new thing, which I think we'll probably have to talk about, is the extremist. You know, they, they're going to tell we all have to turn in our friends if they're extremists or be told whether we're getting close to extremist content. But on, on this lab leak theory, and that's all it is, is a theory. No one's argued that, boy, they have the smoking gun. But, of course, there's no smoking gun with the, with the zoonotic, the animal-to-human transmission. There doesn't seem to be an animal that we can pinpoint, that scientists can pinpoint. And by golly, you know, there's a bunch who'd sure like to be able to show that. And you they know they can't. came out with a pangolin right away. Yes. Remember the pangolin? Yes. Most of us had to look it up because they couldn't remember what a pangolin looked like because it's a pretty bizarre little animal. Yes. Well, they're not saying that anymore. I, they, they, they don't know that for sure. The other thing is I don't believe they found the bats that have uh, this particular strain. I think they have found it related to the Wuhan lab. They collected the bats from the cave. They know the cave. and the, But it's hard to verify anything because, I mean, who are you going to believe? Or as you put it, who are you going to trust? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that YouTube won't trust is that they didn't trust Brett Weinstein this last this last few weeks. Uh, Brett Weinstein of the Dark, of the Dark Horse podcast. Uh, he's, the, he's the former professor or whatever at uh, Evergreen College that we were Oh, I, this, I thought that's who, you, who he was. Okay. Yeah, well, he's been looking into the lab leak theory. He believes that it's, he's well over 90% sure that it was made in a lab. And he's had many guests that are outside the norm, outside accepted opinion, and he's been his he's been not deplatformed, but his uh, source of uh, income off YouTube he's been demonetized. Yes, YouTube is doing this all the time, and there's one other key interest that they seem to be really uh, constantly doing things to block and demonetize content that's anti-China. Almost every uh, every podcaster or, or uh, YouTuber that I watch will say, you know, our our videos are regularly. Please hit the like button. Our videos are regularly not being sent to people who've said they want them. They're regularly being demonetized. Uh, so it's and and you know people have complained about the same things when they post things on Facebook or other uh, mediums like that. Uh, that, uh, but especially Facebook, they don't they they don't seem to get the same number of hits when they criticize China as if they're writing something that's criticizing somebody else somewhere else. Um, and and you know, I, I I see the same sort of thing. We used to promote uh, more of the uh, commentaries on on Facebook, and it just became so much trouble that. Anytime you say anything that's anti-politician, and, and I kind of do that a lot, uh, you know, it's difficult to get it through. And, and you know, it, and it's the same, I find, with I've, I don't believe I've ever gotten to promote a, a script that's anti-China. And, and, you know, it, 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 Facebook is so screwed up in, in that in their advertising on that sort of thing <clears throat> that that. And that's even before you know the 2016 election. Um, that that you could easily believe, well, this is just you know they're just screwed up. But it does, you know, it's kind of like a lot of things. It's like that the, the uh, IRS thing. They would always the IRS scandal where they blocked all these Tea Party groups from getting IRS status, and um, and then they found a couple of liberal groups that were also blocked, 
And it was kind of like, well, yeah, they're blocking both sides, but it was, it was not both sides. It was a tiny, you know, couple groups on one side and hundred plus on the other side. So, and it seems to be the same. I mean, you, you got to kind of follow your instincts uh, when you see that, that, you know, your, your posts aren't getting the same kind of coverage. You hear YouTubers talking about it, other people talking about it. Um, you know, big tech seems to not have the same problem with China that, that most people I know in America do. And back to America, uh, it's good to know that we have amazing vanishing rights or vanished rights, actually. Uh, amazing vanished rights was our uh, Wednesday commentary about uh, the state of Idaho and the legislature there and the governor. Um, I have not worked petitions in Idaho in, in uh, over a decade but it's a very, very difficult state. And when we were doing term limits there, of course, they constantly were looking for new ways to, you know, try to repeal the term limits, which they did at one point, and, uh, and, and also just to ruin the process so that we couldn't come back to reset the term limits. Um, but that's not been enough. Some people have the resources and the wherewithal that they still come back. And so, the legislature wants to stop that. And there's a new kind of, you know, uh, I, I think uh, Republicans and libertarians, conservatives uh, have oftentimes not appreciated democracy. And uh, as I often say for people who want to think that, oh, democracy is voting on everything all the time. None of the people I know, even on on the left, who talk about democracy, I, I shouldn't say none, because there are a couple of lunatics, but, but uh, other than them, uh, everybody realizes you have to have protection from the majority, and you have to have minority rights, which are individual rights, that's the ultimate minority. And, uh, and, and we, we argue about that. It doesn't mean, well, it doesn't mean some places they aren't gonna say certain things that we think are rights aren't rights, uh, you know, a lot of the world um, doesn't doesn't provide the same sort of rights. Uh, gay marriage is something that, you know, you have a few mostly in the West. You have very few countries in Africa or Asia who allow that or who would see that as part of of people's rights. So we, we grow in that sort of thing. But here's the thing in, in Idaho. And it and really, I, I took this off of a. a column that somebody wrote that uh, I thought was really strong, um, talking about, wait a second, and, and quoting uh, some of the people with Reclaim Idaho who have challenged this law in court. What they did in Idaho, they you had to get 6% of the registered voters in 18 of 35 Senate districts. Very, very difficult. It turns out to be 16 uh, petition drives, and you have to succeed in every one or you're you're finished. So that takes a little extra, and then it means going throughout the state. They changed that to 35 of 35. So you got to get every single one. So that is 35 petition drives. If you're successful in 34 out of 35, you lose. Makes it extremely difficult. But of course, the language in the Constitution of the state of Idaho, and in almost every state, uh, especially that has the initiative of a referendum, but even in the other states, they talk about all the power being with the people. Well, is that just BS? I mean, is that just a throwaway line that nobody really believes? Increasingly, I, I, list, I hear people, Republicans in a lot of these states that are, have been Republican now for a while, that the legislature, oh, uh, in a republic, only the legislature, is able to make any decision. It's it's somehow wrong for we the people to do it. And of course, I understand that the, one of the biggest problems they have is that a number of Republican legislatures, state legislatures, held out against expanding Medicaid, which is a huge drag on the budget. And of course, the, the federal government is promising to pay 90%, but not forever. And so it's a way to suck people into more spending. And, you know, I, a lot of conservatives were really glad, I was too, that Republican legislatures were wise enough to say, no, we're not, we're not doing that. And a number of them expanded their programs in the state 
but didn't buy into the Medicaid expansion. And I think they were wise not to. Unfortunately, giving away goodies is often popular. And they put these the expansion of Medicaid onto the ballot in a number of states, Idaho, Arkansas, my, my uh, former home state my, where I grew up, um, and the people passed them. Well, I think the people were mistaken. Now, I could argue that from now on, the people never get to vote again. And that's what, that's what you know, some people are arguing. I don't think that's the next step that we should take. I think instead, we have to educate people on why that's not a smart vote. That's what's behind a lot of this. Oh, it, a republic demands that it be representative. Well, they don't represent us. That's not representative. And a republic, you can vote directly and it still be a republic. And really, the biggest sign of a republic traditionally is having some constitutional Republican limits on government. That's that's the key. And one of those limits is a check on the power of the legislature. Very few initiatives are passing. Nobody's running any state by the initiative. These legislators have so much power. And in fact, in Idaho, and we wrote a previous uh, uh, commentary a couple of years ago, in Idaho, the initiative process is only statutory. And there's no real prohibition against the legislature after you pass it, repealing it immediately. So from a power dynamic, the Idaho legislature could let people pass initiatives all day long and just repeal them as soon as they pass them. But see, that's messy. That shows the lie of them being representative. They want to shut down the speech. They don't want to, even if it's just that people know everybody's for this and the legislature blocked it, they're not trying to keep their power. They're trying to silence the public so that they can keep their power in a more long-term way. And it's, it's uh, boy, it, it, the, the idea that somehow the American, the, the essence of American freedom is all built on stiff arming the public and keeping them away because our wise legislatures will always do the right thing. It might be true in one or two cases, but man, that's that's uh, that's scary thinking in my in my book. I should mention that the piece uh, "Amazing Vanished Rights" uh, starts with a kind of a philosophical argument that when we first sent it to me, I was a little nonplussed because it's a it's a little different. It's it's a different kind of argument than you usually make. But then I realized I really agree with this philosophical point, but we shouldn't talk about it because that people should go to read it. They should read it at uh, thisiscommonsense.org. Yes, Amazing Vanished writes at thisiscommonsense.org. And uh, so let's go on to the stars. A little, a little fun here, a little lighthearted slavery. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. looking at it. <laughs> well... It's funny because, you know, I kind of I always see celebrity news as kind of not really news. And, uh, you know, just because I'm not so interested. But, of course, we've got two stories that we put together. Bill Cosby being released from prison after three years, uh, convicted of uh, what was it? The aggravated indecent assault. Uh, you know, the, the whole trial was he was drugging women and and uh, having sex with them, which seems to me to be rape. But, but of course, it's difficult to prove that. And, and here's something that they did get a jury to say you're guilty on. And it looks as though, from a legal standpoint, the prosecutor had made certain commitments. The, the judges come back and say, wait a second, this, this shouldn't have been entered in. And, and in fact, the whole case uh, is something that the, the prosecutor's office should not have brought under under the law. I don't think that they were suggesting in any way, shape, or form that Bill Cosby's innocent. 
And of course, he tweeted something out about he's always maintained his innocence. Uh, and I, I'm thinking there's a lot of people who've always maintained their innocence, and we don't necessarily believe them. Uh, but but anyway, that's that really was not the point of the piece, because my my read of that situation is one I haven't read very much about it because it's not really something that I think it affects everybody. It's a celebrity who did things that appear to me to be very bad. And I, I think he is guilty from what little I've heard, but boy, I sure wouldn't want to be on a jury with what I know and making any decisions that I don't know enough. And my, but my sense is legally it was right, the right decision, but reality wise, the jury was right that he was guilty of that crime. Uh, and those are two different questions sometimes, unfortunately, as we say in the piece, sometimes the guilty go free. But the princess of pop is not free. And uh, the, the whole conservatorship of, uh, of Britney Spears has been in the news. And it just seems, you know, uh, she's, you know, she's kind of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen an interview with her. You know, she's not, she's not, uh, she's not someone who you're wowed by. Their intellectual or you know acumen, their, their economic acumen, their their uh, you know she's a singer and a dancer and uh, she seems to be awfully good at that uh, and has made quite a living. But many years ago, her father got control of her life, of her money. She's worth, I guess, sixty million dollars. Uh, she gets 2000 uh, a week, which ain't bad, but Hey, that, you know, if, if I made $60 million and someone was, was saying, Hey, I'll give you 2000 a week. I'd say, Hey, wait, that's my money. Um, now after we wrote this and, uh, you know, after, I guess this has been out some, I've heard people talk about the fact that her attorney court appointed attorney and her before this I don't think she was going to draft up the papers herself, but that they haven't actually filed something to end the conservatorship. Um, that's that's kind of a big deal because a court can't do it if nobody files anything. And and they threw this out. And I think I think, you know, this attorney who's who was court appointed may be in a little bit of hot water for not kind of doing his job. But the bottom line is this. It just seems it seems like. You know, we're constantly talking about, you know, we have a right to do this and rights. And then, and then we see someone who, no matter what, it seems to me she's an adult person. Unless she can be shown to really be intellectually, mentally incompetent, that, you know, she's living as something of a slave. And, and to the degree that she's not allowed to get married. She is required, and this is this is even worse. I think required to take birth control pills. Um, that was an IUD. Oh, oh, it is an IUD. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's that just seems to me to be something that nobody has a right to tell somebody else they have to do. And you know, and I do understand that this is not the easiest case in the world. Uh, I suspect that that she could make an awful lot of bad decisions. Um, and so that's a big concern. At the same time, you know, I could make an awful lot of bad decisions. Somebody else could, but we don't want anyone like storing, we don't want a SWAT team storming in to like, oh, hey, we think you were on the verge of making some bad decisions. So we now have taken control of everything you own. It, it gets weirder though. I mean, she's forced to work basically. I mean, not only is she not allowed to, you know, get pregnant or get married or hire her own attorney for once she can't hire an attorney that is the conservatorship determines what the attorney is that's one of the things that that yes. makes that story that you told a little bit more ominous uh no wonder it's a court appointed attorney and didn't do the job right. I'm notoriously bad at that uh, right and uh and her father who started it all uh was in charge of her career she wasn't allowed to. She wasn't allowed to fail, in a sense. I mean, she might have failed after two thousand eight, when her last, when her last big hit was, I think, or something like that. Right. 
I mean, she might have. She might have gone in a drunken stupor. I don't know what she was up to when she was apparently failing. But uh, it's just so weird to have somebody else control of your career and directing it. And you're forced to work and they yeah. get lots of money from it. Right. Right. I mean, it, this is this is a really strange story. I mean, my interest in Britney Spears beyond that is like almost zero. Uh, I love music, but not. I don't really love music. <laughs> that's that's not your uh, that your your top genre. No, it's probably my least one of my least favorite genre. It's above <laughs> rap and all of hip hop, but it's still pretty low on my on my. You know, I like the genre of rap and hip hop, but I've only found like two or three songs <laughs> within the genre that I like. Oh, I'm with you on that. I think that's funny because it, it's like. You know, if someone said, well, do you like rap? I'd probably say no, but it's not really true. The actual style, I kind of do really like. I think it's neat. I I think it's fun. But if, and, and I've been told by people who, who've done it some, that one of the reasons they use so many bad words is because you got to keep this like pacing up. And so you got to, you need words to throw in sometimes. Well, what's going to be any more exciting than just throwing in the F word and the S word and the B word and the, and so anyway, it's, it's funny that there are some uh, hip hop songs I like and some rap songs I like, but you, it's like, I can't even really go. I, I surf all the time trying to find new music. I can't surf those songs to find new music. No, 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 no. After a couple songs where they're saying things that I find fairly disturbing, I'm, I'm, I've become disinterested in, in further investigation. I think it's stylistically gotten better over the years, but the repellent <clears throat> nature of the lyrics is, is hard for me. Um, yeah. And, but one of my favorite movies is, is imbued with rap and it's made and it's by the RCA. Uh, I think it's Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's a weird Jim Jarmusch film that's starring uh, Forrest Whitaker. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. Forrest Whitaker's a very interesting actor. Oh, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, the greatest lazy eye in, in cinema. And uh, I really do like the movie, and it's a really interesting laid-back crime movie. You got to tell me the name of the movie again so I can write it down. It's Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. I believe it's on Criterion Channel right now. So it's it's Criterion Channel circulates stuff through uh, like most of the smaller channels do. And uh, it's on there, or it was the last I checked. And it's, I love that film. Uh, and, and, the, and there's a lot of rap in it. And for some reason, it works in that in that movie. But RZA did the mu music, and he did it to combine rap and an Asian feel. Because Forrest Whitaker's character is a man who's lived his life by a code of the samurai that he picks up in paperbacks. Uh, I think it's I think it's just magnificent. Anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with Britney Spears. On Tuesday, uh, the piece authoritative uh, at thisiscommonsense.org talked about the whole Wuhan thing, but in a footnote, it mentioned that the information about what the Google guy had said, I had found out through uh, a little bit on, on uh, Tucker Carlson. And someone on Facebook, I think it was, you know, said, oh, Tucker Carlson, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, who would believe him? And it's, it's interesting, or Trust the Spies, uh, Friday's piece, is about Tucker Carlson coming out and saying the NSA is reading my emails and my texts and that someone had contacted them, their show, him personally or the show, somehow had gotten to him that, and supposedly this is a government official, they've checked it out, it's believable, although <laughs> a lot of people don't believe Tucker. Um, and I'm not sure I believe him too much here because he, he comes out and says this and then the NSA comes out and says, um, what were their exact words? This allegation is untrue, which seems to me to be clear enough. Um, you know, this allegation is untrue. Sounds like they denied it. Well, he comes out and says, you know, that they didn't deny it. Well, you know, I'm, I don't have, I have a real job, at least 
most of the time. And uh, and so I, I don't have the ability to like just read and watch TV all the time. And so I hadn't heard heard anything. So he comes out the next day and he says, you know, they issued a denial that's no denial at all. And he quoted from their denial. And what he quoted was very legalistic stuff that just struck me as not much of a denial either. I found a quote from uh, Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida, saying this denial is no real denial. Then I read the actual denial. And in there, they quote part of what Tucker said, and they say, this allegation is untrue. Those are the exact words they say. Uh, now, that's a denial. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just fell off the turnip truck. But let me tell you, that's a denial. So it's sad that, you know, you can say, look, I have good information. I don't believe your denial. And that was the point that I'm trying to make in this piece is that, you know, we don't necessarily believe Tucker. Maybe he's maybe he got hoodwinked. Maybe he's innocent. Somebody called and, and punked him. You know, they said they were from the NSA. Maybe he's he's just made it up. But he's saying it and the NSA is saying it's not so. And who do you believe? Well, I know that when the director of national intelligence was before Congress in 2013 and was asked by Senator Ron Wyden, does the NSA collect any data at all on millions of Americans. And Clapper lied and said no, not wittingly, meaning only by accident. But that was a lie. And it wasn't a tiny lie. It wasn't that two or three times somebody grabbed some information that they weren't supposed to grab. It's that they were sweeping up every bankrupt record, every email we'd sent, every phone call we'd ever made. And I happen to think they've got recordings of those phone calls. But maybe not. Maybe they just have every phone call we made. But of course, Joe Biden in 2006 pointed out if they've got every phone call you made, they can pretty much figure out what you're up to. And he went on to say, are we going to trust the president and vice president of the United States that they're doing the right thing? Don't count me in on that. So let me first of all, let me just say that once upon a time, Joe Biden had some sense going on in his head because he looks at this and goes, hey, come on, give me a break. You can't let the president and the vice president of the United States grab stuff on everybody and say, oh, we're going to be good with it, or the intelligence agencies or the deep state, whatever you want to call them. You can't allow them to do that. And of course, they've lied before. So Tucker Carlson says in his, in his uh, piece on this, quote, the NSA does routinely spy on Americans. It won't call it spying. That's exactly what it is. Millions of Americans, not just a couple. And sometimes it does it for political reasons. And everyone knows this. Everyone. And of course, you know, we, we talked, to, we, we kind of debated how to end this piece. But I ended by saying, but many still deny it. And of course, I was somewhat concerned that people might think that I'm I'm saying Tucker's right. The NSA, I don't know what happened in this case, but Tucker's right about this general thrust that they've done it before. Is there any reason to believe they won't do it again? They didn't have any authorization before. There's nothing in the in the, the law that said they could do this. In fact, it seemed to say they couldn't. And they just expanded it to be able to do it whenever they felt like. And other people I know have sometimes said, well, okay, they grab all this info, but can they really, you know, can they churn it around and, and manipulate it and so on to really go after everybody? Well, not everybody. 
just people who are political threats. So this is this is serious stuff. And um, interestingly enough, uh, in doing this piece, you told me, boy, this is just, you know, our, our thought of the day is like, and I, I don't know if you had planned to do it the same day or when we were going to do that thought, but it just, uh, what a great uh, thought. And, and uh, we should put this up on the, on the uh, screen, but it's uh, Elena. I, I haven't actually said her name out loud. Gorokova. I thought it was actually a social distancing quote. Uh, it came to me a right. few months ago as something that Alexander Solzhenitsyn <laughs> said. And maybe he did somewhere, but I couldn't find him saying it. What I found was Elena Gorokova right. saying it. Well, of course, it, it, if you look online long enough, Abraham Lincoln has said it at one yeah. time or yeah. another. But... The line is, is good. It's The rules are simple, describing the rules in the Soviet Union. This is a memoir about the Soviet Union. They lie to us. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying, but they keep lying anyway. And we keep pretending to believe them. That's a corrupt and dangerous society where you have that going on. And I think that's what's happening in America. Yeah. It's, you know, one of the things I find interesting about this too is that when Snowden's and of course Snowden just what turned 36 or 37 I hope he's not going to be in in uh in Russia forever and gets to come home he should excuse me I'm gonna uh he should be pardoned and uh, if you can see in my background uh if uh, go to this is commonsense.org and you can find our our Edward Snowden poster one will look great on your wall uh, but uh now I'm gonna lose my train of thought as to where I was headed with uh, with uh, Mr. Snowden on this. Well, I oh, don't know oh, you were going. Okay. I I know I do now. I do now remember where I was going. When Snowden broke everything, so many people I know said, "Well, we already knew this," and of course. That was true in a sense. We already suspected it and strongly suspected it, maybe. But we didn't quite know. And so I think what Snowden did was so incredibly valuable because now the government can't deny it. It can't say we're crazy. It can't say we're just conspiracy theorists. We know it's true. We know it happened. They had to admit it. And that was huge. And for that, I think we all owe Edward Snowden one hell of a debt. But <clears throat> but we're kind of in the same place on a lot of this as we go forward and don't have, you know, someone like Edward Snowden can't just, you know, give us information every day to, to disprove the latest lie. We have to try to find our way and we have to we have to realize that it is easy for us to get pulled along by what's printed in the Washington Post and then what's said on NBC Nightly News and then what's, you know, said on social media and what's blocked because, well, that's been debunked and so on. It's easy for us to pretend that we don't know what's going on. And, and of course, we don't know 100% of everything that's going on. But what do we know? We know that all the authoritative parts of big government have lied to us. We know that big tech outside of big government in the big private sector that is kind of right there in bed with government, that they don't seem they don't seem to be worried that they're displeasing their customers. They're very worried that they're not pleasing the, the Congress, the Democrats who keep threatening them, the Republicans who are upset with them, the CCP that might be upset with them from time to time if they're not, uh, you know, not towing the line. We have got to realize, as a friend of mine says, we're behind enemy lines. And that may or may not be true. You can look at it different ways. 
the bottom line is we and maybe we were being lied to all the time. We I think we know we were being lied to a lot of the time 20, 30, 40 years ago, forever. That's what government does, maybe. But we are in a new situation where our ability to communicate with each other that seems so magic as we got the Internet and smartphones and we saw the Arab Spring and we realized this could be used for people all over the world in these despotic, horrible regimes to connect with each other and and to throw off their oppressors. And now it seems more and more to be a tool of authoritarian government. And it seems that our government is flirting with the same sorts of controls and attitudes that we see from the Chinazis and abhor. And we've got serious work to do. You know, it's like I'm getting older and it's like I kind of I don't ever really want to retire and mosey off into the sunset, but I would like things to get a little easier. And I've, I've now determined that's not going to happen. <laughs> but but I'd like to leave this realm feeling like there's a chance for freedom. And I think I think we are in so much tougher shape than I thought uh, years ago we were in. And uh, I think we got a lot of work to do, which is good because I didn't want I didn't want in the next 10, 20 years, didn't want to run out of stuff to do. Well, there's the bright side. You can't retire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the good news. <laughs> well, we're retiring from this podcast and uh, we should say something about, again, this is commonsense.org. That's where you can find the pieces that you write five days a week. You can get them on PDFs. You can share them on PDFs. There's more besides just what you write. There's this podcast on the weekend. We're going to have a special podcast coming up probably early in the week, next week. So um, there are things to do with this is commonsense.org. Yes, and one of the things that uh, that happens every day, and not just Monday through Friday, seven days a week, is the thought of the day uh, where we, we take a quote that somebody has made that we think is important and we put it out there and it's easily shareable on social media. And then we also have today in, in history and in freedom and look at history, what happened on this day from the lens of, hey, we like freedom and, and don't like tyrants. Yeah, today's I liked was the Lee Resolution. Uh, we had the Lee resolution today. This is uh, July 2nd. The day before, we had a case of a man who was... Oh, this is awful. Uh, he was burned at the stake in France. And... Let me read it, and you should you should put, it, put this up on the screen. On July 1, 1766, Francois Jean de la Barre... I'm not even close. Francois Jean de la Barre, right? Oh, there you go. See, this, that sounds so much better. You should read it, actually. But uh, a young French nobleman was tortured and beheaded before his body was burnt on a pyre, along with a copy of Voltaire's Dictionnaire Philosophique. Yeah. Close. Nailed to his torso for the crime of not saluting a religious procession in Abbeville, France, not saluting a religious procession. And you think about this, this was 10 years before the shot that was heard around the world, before Lexington and Concord, and what, 20 years before the Bill of Rights, maybe a little bit more, uh, was was passed and, and we had religious freedom. But my goodness, and, and you know, you think of the French Revolution and you think of how violent and and terrible it was in the aftermath. Well, you know, things like this happen and, and you can kind of see why, you know, it, it again, it's like and, and I think we 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 mistake the level of violence that was part of the American Revolution. You know, a third of the third of the people in the country left after the revolution. In other words, they didn't feel safe 
and and golly gee whiz, this is a wonderful place anymore. Um, you know, the Tories tended to leave. So these these uh, revolutions and so on are, are not always pretty. And and but wow. That kind tyranny of... wasn't pretty either. There was there was no. a, the, the no. ancien regime was quite nasty, and that it, it had to go, and it did go. And the early days of the revolution weren't as bad as the later days. I actually have a theory about that. I, I I've written about this. Is that I have the theory that I think we kind of know why the revolution really went and spiraled out of control, and it's something that we're going to be experiencing very closely ourselves very soon. It was inflation. Uh, it was the, the it was the assignat inflation that uh, that really ruined the French Revolution, I think, because at that point it destroyed the it destroyed the moral capital as along with the actual capital of the masses, because you know the, the the people who are most hurt by inflation are the poor, and the poor became part of the nasty revolution and demanding all these executions and just got got really ugly, and I think it was I think it was just the Assignat revolution uh, inflation, and that's my theory. I've never heard anyone say it, and I, maybe I'm wrong. But and and maybe when I read, you know, the will and a real right. I'll be I'll find out that there's a better explanation. And of course, I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons why something like that happened. I didn't think it could have happened without, uh, without the inflation. It's kind of ugly in the sense that sometimes, um, you know, you you have to like push a, a government, but the more you push them, the more vicious they are. And in essence, the closer you get to to change, the more vicious they are. Um, so it's, you know, and, and then if they're vicious enough as it's overturned, there's kind of reciprocal viciousness. So, yeah, that's one of the things we're witnessing now. Is, is... <laughs> Hopefully those are fireworks outside and not gunshots, but. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, we are approaching July 4th. Yes. No, I'm sure that I'm sure it's. uh <laughs> oh, they, or they've taken out most of the neighborhood. I'm I really like my neighbors. Happy Independence Day to everyone, July 4th, but I really think we should call it Independence Day and maybe appreciate being independent individually and as a country. <laughs>